0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're back this morning as we study some more of your questions with you. Uh, That's what happens on this program if you're a first time viewer. There's some numbers at the bottom of the screen, a phone number and a website actually. You can use either one of those to get in touch with us and tell us what you'd like us to talk about on Know Your Bible. Uh, That's the purpose of this program is to answer viewers' questions, uh, maybe generate some interest in Bible study uh, by answering what you're wondering about. So if you've always wondered what does that verse mean or why did God do that or what's this mean, uh, this current event, what's the Bible have to say about that, We'll try to find you an answer, Uh, and usually the Bible has some principles on everything that uh, guide us through life pretty well. So, whatever your question might be, we'll study the Bible, see if we can answer it for you. Uh, Use the website, phone number, anytime. Get in touch with us. Tell us what you'd like us to talk about. Let me introduce my friend Toby Levering. Is back. Toby, good morning. Good morning, Uh, Steve. You're here and ready to go. Studied up on all this, Uh, we hope our viewers are ready for a question, too. We give them one every week. And today's trivia question is, what was King David's first job? King David's first job. I don't know if being king is a job or not, but uh, that was his last job. What was his first job? We'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you and your family know it. Toby, you drew the first one, so get us started here.
1: Sometimes you get a question that you really don't have the answer to, and this is one of those questions. That's all right. Viewer asks, when we die, do we feel it? And I can answer assuredly, I have no idea. Anything I'm going to tell you here is just going to be speculation. I think the experience is probably analogous to maybe going to sleep or being put under anesthesia. In most circumstances, uh, it's probably something that you know has happened, that you know is coming on. But if you try to think back last night and try to remember the exact moment when you went to sleep, you probably can't remember that moment. I I think death is kind of like that transition of of transitioning from awake to asleep. It happens, but it's almost instantaneous. And when it happens, uh, you don't really remember in fact, in ancient cultures, uh, in fact, many times or a couple of times at least in the Bible, uh, people that were dead, they said they're asleep, or they would kind of speak euphemistically that this person has has gone to sleep, and they they meant that in the in the eternal sense. They had they were really sleeping. So, what happens exactly at death? We really don't know. It's a mystery. That's kind of why it's a little bit scary, because we know that all. Folks must die at some point. Uh, But how that exactly, if we feel it and what we go through, we're just simply not told. However, we are told that uh, we can have hope beyond death uh, if we are in Christ. Let's read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, which says, Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So we know it's going to happen, exactly what it's going to feel like, well, it's a little bit of a mystery.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, good answer. When I first read it, I thought, well, some people die you know, it, a lot more painful death. Than, yep. uh, they feel it uh, a lot more then, but yep. I think this viewer is probably talking about the moment of death that yeah, right. you answered, yeah. and nobody knows. Yeah, it's what, hard to know what that <laughs> exactly is. Uh, so we don't know, but we'll find out.
1: Eventually, uh, we'll all know.
0: Yep. yep. <laughs> All right, question about ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Viewer wants to know, where does the Bible (coughs) say that? Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. I'm sure every one of our viewers has heard that phrase, Uh, probably most likely you've heard it at a funeral. It's been said at millions of funerals over the years I bet, Uh, but or surprisingly uh, it's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that exact phrase. Uh, that phrase actually comes from the English Book of Common Prayer, and I'm sure it's some other places too, uh, but it's kind of become a tradition because of that in Christian burials uh, for somebody, the preacher or whoever is in charge to say that. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. The Bible says a couple of things close to that, but it doesn't <coughs> say that exact phrase. So let's look at the two things that the Bible does say uh, for in Genesis chapter 3, verses 19 it says for dust thou art and unto dust thou shalt return and then over in ezekiel 27:18 it says i will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee so there's the ashes part and genesis 3:19 does talk about returning to dust uh, so in sense uh, the bible kind of covers the topic But it doesn't say ashes to ashes and dust to dust. The point is uh, we were created from dust. The original man, anyway, Adam, was created from dust. And our bodies, when they die, return to dust. Uh, So it's a truism, but it's not a biblical quote. So didn't find it in the Bible for you.
1: Okay. Uh, A person asked the question, You said something about being absent from the body and in the presence of the Lord. What does that mean? All right, well, I'm not exactly uh, remembering the precise question that we may have answered, but that phrase is found, and we probably have uh, mentioned it or referenced it here on the program in times past. It's from a verse found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, and we have it on the screen. And Paul here is writing <clears throat> to the church at Corinth, and he says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And Paul here is considering the end of his own life and how that will come about and the end of his ministry. And he was simply saying that he understood when you're in the presence of the Lord, your soul, the spiritual part of you, uh, departs from the physical <coughs> part of you. Uh, the soul departs from the body, it goes to, uh, the, to be with God. And so absent from the body simply means that a person has died. And that's if, that's a phrase we've used on here. It's just because it's a phrase that we find in the Bible, uh, referring to those who have gone on before us. But they still do. They're still existing. They're still alive. They're just not in a physical form. And that's what Paul was referring to. So, hope that uh, clarifies for All you. All
0: right. Very good take this moment to talk about a good way to study the Bible at home. We like to answer <clears throat> questions and we get a few covered each week but there's a whole lot of the Bible that we don't get to so we've got some free Bible study materials that we're happy to provide to you and the emphasis on the free they don't cost you a thing except a little bit of your time. Uh, we provide all the postage and everything else, all you've got to do is uh, when you receive your lesson, sit down with your Bible and read what it says to read and study a little bit and answer some questions to make sure you got the lesson and send it back to us. Uh, When you're done with these eight lessons that you see on the screen, uh, we've got a handsome certificate we'll get to you that uh, signifies that you've accomplished that good study. And then we've got more advanced studies, so you can keep right on studying the Bible for quite a while. Good generic Bible study. Good overview of the Bible. Helps you understand the difference between the two testaments which is so important. We get a lot of questions on this program that if people understood the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, they could answer the question themselves. So good Bible study. A lot of people taking it over the years and write or call and tell us how much they liked it, how much they've learned. We're happy to sign you up for that. Give us a call or get on the website and say you'd like it. We'll get it started for you. All right, next question about the two-seed theory. A viewer wants to know, is the two-seed theory the literal word of God or is it an interpretation? Well, uh, I know very little about it and I don't want to know much more about it. Uh, I'm sorry that this viewer knows anything about it. Uh, It's a doctrine that would be best unknown. Uh, It is definitely not the Word of God. It is a lie of Satan. Uh, You can Google it and learn a little bit about it if you want to, but it's best just to forget it, I think. Uh, The two-seed theory was started by uh, some former preacher of some sort uh, that has some problem with his (laughs) humanity, I think. Uh, But what he taught was that when the Satan, Satan, uh, the snake... uh, tempted Eve. What he really did was seduce her physically and had sex with her, and that seed was Cain. And Cain became the father of all the Semitic people, all of the Jewish people. So Jews are children of the devil. The second seed, the two seed theory, the second seed was Adam and Eve had a child, and that child was Abel, and through Abel Uh, the lost tribes or the white Europeans came from him and they were truly God's children. Now, raise your hand if you see any potential problems with this (laughs) doctrine Uh, (laughs) that all Jewish people are children of the devil and all white people are children of God. Uh, Obviously a very, very vile anti-Semitic racist view of the world. Uh, it's sick. It's twisted. Uh, it's anti-biblical. Uh, it's not the literal word of God. It's 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 anti-biblical. Some things are unbiblical. Uh, you can dream up something about angels that the Bible doesn't say and teach it. Now that's an unbiblical teaching. There's some things that are anti-biblical that go directly against what the Bible says. And this is an anti-biblical teaching. Uh, Genesis four one settles the matter. And nobody should give it any more consideration after that. Genesis 4 1 says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. So Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, both children. And I mean, that right there proves that this guy's inventing crazy stuff. Uh, but his doctrine is obviously dreamed up. Uh, to promote trouble, to promote dissension between the races. Uh, it's unfortunate, but some people teach that kind of thing and try to use the Bible to back it up. So if you happen to have your radio on 2 a.m. in the morning or something and <laughs> hear some character teaching something like this, I uh, find another channel pretty quickly because it's sick and twisted stuff. So my answer to the viewer's question directly, uh, it's not an interpretation actually, it's a complete falsehood. It's a bogus piece of foolishness, so stay away from it. All
1: right. Yeah. And it's one of, the, <laughs> one of the interesting, I mean one of the good things about this program, we encourage people to actually look in their Bibles and avoid such uh, heresy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, uh,
0: yeah, if you didn't know much about the Bible or sitting home listening to somebody sure. tell it, you might believe it if yeah. you were yep. not just, thinking too clearly. But uh,
1: just enough knowledge. <laughs> all to you need, all you
0: need is one verse to knock it out of this box and go on to something useful. Sure. Well, let's
1: go on <laughs> to the next question. Uh, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure I can answer it in totality, but we'll give it a shot. When the Bible talks about a new earth, viewer wants to know why will there be one. And who will inhabit it? All right. Well, uh, very simply, a new home will be created, a new earth will be created because the old one will be destroyed. Uh, You look at Revelation chapter 21, uh, which is not on the screen, but it it tells us very clearly that there will be a, a new dwelling place for God's people, that the old one will be done away with. The old order of things has passed away. And so there's a very, very clear delineation between the old and the new. I think it's interesting that a lot of people get real worried about trying to save the planet, but uh, God's not real worried about that. He promises a couple of times in Scripture that uh, eventually it's going to be destroyed, and uh, it's going to be destroyed uh, very clearly. So... Um, the Bible doesn't give a great deal of detail concerning the new home, uh, how and when, and the timeline. Those are the things we really want to know, uh, but unfortunately, the Bible doesn't say anything. I give you is only going to be speculation, and I would warn you: be careful of people who who try to plan out, you know, exact dates and details and go beyond what scripture says because that spec area of speculation gets very dangerous very quickly the point here is this uh, the old song this world is not my home I'm just a passing through yeah, that comes to mind that's exactly what scripture uh, promises over and over again that we look forward to a new home a better home a uh, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, Jesus Christ the Lord. Uh, the point is not getting caught up in the details and the weeds of how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, what it's going to look like, because uh, the Bible just doesn't say. I think that's the best part of the surprise that's coming is is the things that we don't know. But it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be more than we could ever dream of or imagine. When John tried to write it down, he, he used beautiful things like, jewels and gold and silver and, and, and things, that just the most beautiful things he could think of to picture this new home. Some people take that very literally. I think he was just saying, it, I've seen it. I can't even begin to describe it to you. It's that good. So uh, I think that's the point. It's, it's coming. We're closer now to that home than ever. And that gives people of, of faith hope hold on, don't give up. We still win and, and we've got a home prepared for us. Let's look at one scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10-13. through 13. It says, But the, thie- the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We don't know all the details. We do know, though, it's going to be fantastic.
0: All right. Thank you, Toby. Good answer. <coughs> Uh, question about God and what did He do? Uh, our viewer doesn't think God has done much. Uh, interesting question. Did God the Father do anything in the Bible except say, This is my beloved Son? It seems as if Jesus did everything. Well, when I first got that question and read it, I thought, What is this viewer talking about that I don't understand particularly and I thought just a little while and I thought okay I bet I know what's happened. I bet this viewer has read the four Gospels. Uh, That's a good place to start reading the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the story of Jesus. Now if you just read the four Gospels that question makes a lot of sense uh, because it is about Jesus. It's about His life and there's very little in the four Gospels about God the Father. There are viewers right. At Jesus' baptism, uh, God the Father did say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Uh, But other than that, we don't read a whole lot about God the Father in the four Gospels. Now, if this viewer would read the Old Testament, his question would probably go completely the other way because we read a whole lot about God the Father and very little about Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Uh, not mentioned much at all. Jesus is talked about as the Messiah, as about the coming King, a few of those things. But in general, the whole Old Testament's got a lot of God the Father in it. And then if you read the Gospels, you'll read a whole lot about Jesus. If you read the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, you read a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. It seems like the Holy Spirit is doing everything. And then you get over in the epistles, uh, Romans, First and Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and all of those, and they talk about all three, the God the Father, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, so it depends where you're reading in the Bible. And my guess is that our viewer's been doing most of his reading in the four Gospels, and God the Father is not mentioned a whole lot there. Jesus mentioned a whole lot. Read the whole Bible. You'll find all three of them. Find a good balance of all three of them, and <coughs> learn a lot more about them. But I hope that's what our viewer was asking there. seems to make sense to me. All right, let me take just a second out of our questions and invite you to visit the Church of Christ near you. Uh, The Church of Christ uh, around the country, wherever we're seen, are the ones who provide this program for you. Today I want to mention a couple of our supporters in Kansas, uh, Oxford, Kansas, and Pratt, Kansas, our two congregations of the Church of Christ that support this program and agree with what we're studying and want to keep, uh, help keep us on the air. Uh, we thank both of them. And if you live in one of those communities and haven't visited the Church of Christ, do it sometime. Uh, drop in and say hi to them. Uh, in Pratt, the preacher there is Steve Triplett, great young man. I know you'd enjoy hearing him preach. Uh, that church does a lot of good in that community. And uh, you may know of them. If you do, tell one of the members that you watch Know Your Bible and you appreciate them supporting it for you. Uh, So wherever you live, look up a Church of Christ, thank them for providing the program, or if you're searching for a church home, drop in sometime. You'd be warmly welcomed, I'm sure. Creation question.
1: Yeah, a viewer (coughs) wants to know about what happened after the creation or if there was (laughs) anything beyond that. The specific question is, Was anything created after day six? And uh, from what we read in scripture, there was nothing new created. Of course, uh, creation procreated itself, and he told mankind to go forth and multiply. And of course, all the various species of animals were told to do uh, or set in motion to do the same thing and reproduce and repopulate, uh, fill the planet uh, and spread out over all of the earth. But as far as God creating anything new or uh, creating any different human beings, no, that's simply not the case. Uh, Genesis 2 gives us the full complete picture of the creation account. Verse 1 says it very succinctly. And there was evening, and there was a morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And I love how it... Scripture points that out, that the completeness and the totality of creation was complete by day six. And uh, Mm -hmm. as the scriptures pointed out, those were 24-hour days, and God in His infinite power was able to speak and create everything into existence. And then it says, of course, on the seventh day, He rested, He completed, He stopped, He, He finished. He looked at the totality of everything He had done, and as God creates everything perfect and complete, I uh, didn't need to add anything to it. Everything that he had planned and thought of and dreamed and created one time was good for all time. So I hope that answers the question.
0: All right. Thank you, <laughs> Toe. Uh, I've got a question about what a pagan is. Uh, is a pagan a hypocrite or a devil worshiper? Well, kind of a unique way that you answered that question, or asked that question, Uh, I can say a pagan is not a hypocrite, definitely not a hypocrite. A hypocrite means, it comes from the old Greek word, it means two-faced. It means you act one way, you talk to people one way, but you're really different than that. You're a two-faced person, Uh, so you're putting up a false front, you're a hypocrite. So, that's not what a pagan is devil worshiper, that will fit in there on some pagans perhaps. Uh, In general, I'd say a pagan is probably someone who is uh, not distinctly Christian from our point of view, but there are other ways that the word pagan is used. Uh, For instance, some people think of a pagan as somebody that's got no religion at all, Uh, doesn't go to church, doesn't go any kind of church or synagogue or anything, Uh, they just live like the world and they're pagans. Uh, Some people think a pagan is uh, somebody who worships multiple gods instead of one god. Uh, Some think pagans are just uh, the kind of people that are sensual and self-indulgent. They are involved in a religion that is all about them and celebrating life and all of that. And probably a lot of us use it as a term for anybody outside my religion. Uh, Christians kind of think sometimes, well, they're pagans, they're not Christians. Uh, Jews kind of use the term that way. If you're not a Jew, you're a pagan. Uh, Muslims use it that way. Anybody outside their religion is a pagan or an infidel. So I hope I've showed you you can use it a lot of different ways. I don't think there's one definition of what a pagan is. Uh, So combine all of those and and (laughs) pick your own definition, I guess. Uh, There's not a particular one distinction. You don't have to be just a devil worshiper. Uh, to be a pagan. I would call a devil worshipper a pagan, however, <laughs> uh, but that's not all that a pagan is. Sure. <laughs>
1: you know, uh, before we wrap up,
0: uh, there was a question we
1: didn't get to, I think, last week about uh, Day 8. This won't be on the, the screen, but <laughs> we got a little time. I think I'll go ahead and address it. Yeah, since uh, you
0: had Day 6, what about Day 8? Yeah, eight? sure.
1: <laughs> well, a viewer last week had asked the question, where in the Bible does Day 8 start? You know, we of course know the seven days of creation, the seventh day God rested. They they are wanted to know about day 8. Well, the Bible never specifically talks about day 8. It it says, you know, chapter 2 ends with the creation of Adam Adam and Eve, and then chapter 3 jumps into the temptation, of course, the subsequent fall of man. We just simply don't know when that happened and exactly how long that period was. It could have been, you know, we're used to chapter 2 going day to day to day to day, and we just think, well, temptation and the fall of man occurred on day 8. We don't know that to be true. It could have been uh, many months or even years uh, later on before the fall of man. But we obviously can conclude, because we know that the the days were 24-hour periods, that day 8 would have just come after day 7. But when exactly that happened is sometime between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3 in the biblical account. But it never specifically nails down. And then on day 8, this happened. So the Bible... Uh, of course, refers to it, but not directly it's it 's just part of the story, chapter two, chapter three, and I think people are interested in those first few days and what really happened and how much time it took and all that so yeah, the
0: first <coughs> first six are very interesting you can yeah. study that a lot uh day eight and the succeeding. I do wish it told us how long they were in the garden sure, yeah. before Satan messed yeah. things up. <laughs> uh, it could have been thousands of years. Sure. We don't know. The yeah. Bible just doesn't tell us. Yeah. Uh, the way the story is told, it, like you said, it yeah. sounds like... The first Next day, day they messed up. <laughs> surely they didn't mess up the yeah. first day. Uh, surely they enjoyed uh, the Garden of Eden for a little longer than that. But who knows? Uh, but they just starts there between those two chapters, and on it goes.
1: Yep, interesting question that Bible just doesn't speak to directly. <laughs> All right. well,
0: let me take just a second and uh, explain our study program again, because some people might not know exactly how it works. Uh, what we do is send you on the correspondence courses, if you call the phone number or log on to the website, we'll send you that first lesson about the Old Testament, and you sit down, and if you read through that and read what it tells you, too, about the Old Testament, you'll learn a whole lot about the Old Testament, Uh, kind of general knowledge about how many people wrote it and how many years it took to write, and the themes that it goes through. What kind of books are in there? There's history books and law books and prophecies and all. You'll learn all those kind of things. And then you answer a few questions and put it in the envelope send it back to us. And we've got somebody that will grade it for you and send it back with lesson number two. And you just keep right on going that way. And you learn a lot about the Bible. second lesson is about the New Testament. Learn a whole lot about that and go on through them. Uh, When you get all eight finished... We'll ask you a question. Do you want to keep studying or are you tired of it? Uh, and if you want to keep studying, we've got more advanced courses. So, great way to study the Bible. Give us a call or log on today and get that started.
1: And there's so many people that we meet at, out in, in public or whatever say, man, I need to do that. <laughs> but I've also met people who say, man, I, I did sign up for that and it has been so helpful, yep. so beneficial. Well, that's a good study. Um, yeah, very good.
0: All right, let's answer our trivia question here. What was King David's? First job, well the first thing the king did was a shepherd. When he was a boy he was a shepherd. He was a good, <laughs> good shepherd and grew up to be a pretty good king too. So that's the question. hope you got that one right. Uh, we're glad you've been with us today and hope you come back next week as we study some more of your questions on Know Your Bible. Till then, you have a great week. The the know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area.